Welcome to the 248th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with writer Sean McFate, author of the thriller novels Deep Black and Shadow War. Just a programming note, this interview was originally recorded at the publication date of Shadow War. Stay tuned for my interview with Sean McFate. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Sean McFate, author of the new debut, debut thriller novel, Shadow War. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Great. Well, can you read two or three pages from your new novel, Shadow War? Sure. This is the very beginning. It opens up in Libya of May 10, 2014. Target ahead, my team leader, Jenny Miles, said from the lead car, Copy that, Alpha One, I replied into my headset. As the outer wall of the abandoned outpost began to emerge from desert half-mile away, a dark shadow against the dusty brown hill, so slight most people wouldn't have noticed it was even there. I scanned the horizon. Nothing to the east but dunes and distant mountains. The same thing we'd seen for the past four hours in 200 miles. Nothing in front but a dust track in the desert. The hill to the west was maybe 15 feet at its highest point, rising at a consistent low gradient. It wasn't much more than a tilt on the horizon line, but out here, it could hide an army. The perfect place for an ambush, I thought. Although that didn't mean much. Every building in this rocky corner of the South Sahara was perfect place for an ambush, since they were all built in wadis or against some small cliff to escape the wind. Our contacts, the Tureg, were the legendary bandit warriors of this harsh world. They knew every foot for 500 miles, but they didn't have GPS. So you couldn't global position a meeting. It was, if you wanted to meet them, you had to meet them in spots like this. This was kinetic country, like the old Wild West. Banditos were common and law came out of the barrel of a gun. Steady speed, I said, eyes open. The call had come in 17 hours ago from a new contact in Benghazi. A tribe of Tureg had two cargo trucks full of weapons, and they wanted to deal. Why? They were, they were in Mali last year, the contact said. They fought the French paratroopers in Jao. I could almost hear the shrug. Now they will need the money. My, my instinct was to turn the opportunity down. Too many variables. Maybe the contact sent my invitation. It's not small arms, I assure you, he said. It's what you want. Finding AK-47s and rocket-propelled grenade launchers was easy. The world was awash in them, especially Africa. But surface-to-air missiles, anti-tank rockets, 20-millimeter cannons, those weapons were gold. You laid your hands on them whenever you could. When, I asked, tomorrow, 1400, deep southwest, near Algerian border, I'll shoot you the coordinates. The 200,000 euros had arrived five hours ago on a fishing trawler. The boat had probably come from Malta, our primary Mediterranean financial hub, since the collapse of the Cypriot banking sector. But that wasn't my concern. What mattered was the courier. He had been late, so no, I was late. I intended to arrive at the rendezvous by noon, two hours early, but... They're here, Charlie One. Copy that off, too, I said flatly biting off my frustration at the sight of the off-road trucks. I trusted my team, six alphas, my team, 
wearing ear pierces and four local recruits. But I didn't like the Touareg having the jump. I wouldn't be able to scout the location or take positions of marksmen on surrounding dunes. This is how accidents happened, I reminded myself. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about Shadow War yet, how would you describe your debut novel? This is an international action thriller uh, that's based on real events. It centers around the main character, Tom Locke, um, who's a likable, actually, he's a mercenary. Um, he works for a large private military company, and this book is based on actual events. It's actually started as a memoir that I was writing, and we turned it to fiction. And, and what, was your, what was your decision process like to, to turn it into fiction? Because I know that you've written nonfiction articles and, and a nonfiction book, The Modern Mercenary. Well, it's a great question. Initially, I was very hesitant to turn it into fiction because, as you said, my, my background is, um, you know, I came from the field uh, as a paratrooper, and I was a military contractor or mercenary. Um, and then I'd written some, some analytical work. But uh, doing the memoir, I was doing this memoir about an operation, a mission I had led in, in Africa to help prevent a genocide, so a genocide like Rwanda 20-some years ago. And um, it was just getting too tense with uh, naming names and, you know, putting people's lives in danger and attracting lawsuits and having the U.S. government um, kind of come after me for accidentally leaking secrets. So I decided to turn to fiction just to avoid all that. Great. And are you are you someone who reads uh, um, international thrillers of this type? Um, you know, I grew up, of course, reading uh, Tom Clancy, Ludlum. Uh, I was a big fan of Le Carre. I was also a big fan of Graham Greene. Um, but in the recent years, I haven't. I mean, I've, I've read some Silva and some Brad Thor but I'm not an avid consumer of the genre like I used to be growing up. Sure, sure. Well, I know that you, um, as you just mentioned, you wrote The Modern Mercenary. What do average Americans not understand about modern conflict and military conflict and the use of mercenaries? This is a great question. So I'm uh, actually, my day job, I have a day job, is I'm a professor of war and international relations. I teach at Georgetown University and National Defense University, which is the Pentagon's premier war college. Um, and there's a lot. When people think about war, they think about it traditionally like World War II, like the War of John Wayne. Uh, they think about states, superpower A versus superpower B. Think of like Tom Clancy. And protagonists are like Jack Ryan. They're like sort of like these kind of Boy Scoutish, can do no wrong, good Americans fighting evil. Um, and war is, modern war is not like that at all. Modern war is really messy and really ugly, and it's forever war. It's like a low-grade forever war where there's no sort of people who fight don't wear uniforms, combatants are often masked, uh, states aren't even always fighting. <clears throat> I mean, sometimes you have multinational corporations which act like states in places like Africa and Eurasia, and shadow war attempts to capture this, um, sort of in the tradition of, John le Carre. I mean, like, you know, we learn a lot. John le Carre was an ex-British spy, MI6. And he uses the platform of fiction and his character, George Smiley, to sort of pull back the curtain on the actual secret conflicts of the Cold War. 
Uh, I would like Shadow War to do something similar, where through the eyes of Locke, readers sort of have the curtain pulled back in the post-Cold War era about what real war is like today. And it's not our grandfather's war. Sure. Well, well, I mean, based on what you just said in terms of it's not our grandfather's war, and obviously you, you've done a lot of thinking about uh, modern warfare and, and with your own you know, personal experience. I'm curious, you know, many of today's news headlines tend to be focused on terrorism and ISIS. Do you think that there is potential for, you know, for the lack of a better word, large scale military conflict? And if so, wh- where do you think that might happen? Well, it's funny. The, um, this book, Shadow War, takes place um, on the eastern front of Ukraine against Putin. And the sequel to this book, which is coming out a year from now, which I'm finishing up right now, takes place in northern Iraq, fighting ISIS and other parts of the Middle East. And I think one of the big threats um, that we will see in our lifetime is, is maybe a nuclear war in the Middle East or a nuclear war between Pakistan and India, um, uh, you know, and, and I think, but I think that in terms of large-scale military interventions, I think Iraq and Afghanistan have shown how futile military invasions and occupations truly are. Um, however, people might forget that. And the reason they're futile is for the same reason that the British lost against the American colonies, you know, 200 plus years ago is that you can have a military occupation and you can say you're there to help, you know, provide rule of law and win hearts and minds, but it's hard to, it's hard to do that when you're occupying somebody's land. So, um, you know, we, we could see another military occupation in the Middle East, but I think it would end up the same way as already, we've already seen. Sure. So, so what was that experience like for you um, writing a novel versus your, your nonfiction work to date? Were, were, there, were there things that you, you learned along the way? And you, you've mentioned Le Carre several times. Did you go back and, and you know, look at how he constructs his novels? Um, yeah, well, first of all, it felt, it felt dirty. Try it without footnotes. <laughs> um, I mean, I really love the idea of just sort of you know, um, having fun with the, with the arc of a story, an arc of a narrative, uh, and being sort of liberated from the constraint of, of writing a historical piece that you have to eventually source and worry about defamation and stuff like that. And, um, and it just makes a tighter story. And I think that can actually, I think in some ways, fiction um, can be a better truth teller than nonfiction. I mean, both of my books, the, the nonfiction one with Oxford University Press and this novel, um, you know, with William Morrow, two sides of the same coin. He's a, a cliche. Um, and I did not go back to Le Carre for this. I mean, I grew up with Dicker Taylor, and I grew up with a lot of his, his Cold War works. And um, his writing style is very different than, than mine, and sure. the, today's market's different. So, you know, I think the, the idea of having that um, as a sort of a, 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 load, a load star for me is useful but not, you know, the, the problem I would have, and maybe others do, is if you read too much of an author that you admire, then you sort of subconsciously try to imitate them. And I think that's a, a road uh, to peril. Sure. Well, I'm curious, as an Army and military veteran, um, are there things about modern thriller novels that, that, that bother you? Do authors get... Uh, 
Sorry. Do authors get military details wrong that, that, that you see? Sure. I think like every veteran, anytime you see a movie and, and the actors don't have like their uniforms or the ribbons and the uniforms exactly right, it, it's very irksome. Uh, and the same thing, of course, with novels. You can tell, I mean, there's a lot of technical lingo and, and acronyms and other things that you can tell who's in and who's not. Uh, and even some of our, you know, very famous, successful thriller writers whose names I'll not mention get basic things wrong. Like when you go to a U.S. embassy overseas, what do you see? What do you do? What does it feel and taste like? Uh, you can't really make that up. I mean, you can, but for those of for those who have worked in that world, and there's a lot now with all the vets coming out of Iraq and Afghanistan, it just it, it just rings hollow, and that kind of destroys the credibility of the entire project. Um, so you know that is that is certainly true. And one of the things I try to do with this world is that it's it's not just about military; it's also about private military in that world, which is kind of unknown to most readers, and even unknown to many vets. Like. What does the modern mercenary world really look like on the inside? And how does it function? Who's in it? Um, all those things. Great. Well, given your experience writing Shadow War and getting it published by a major publisher, and as you mentioned earlier, um, you're working on the sequel, uh, what advice would you have for aspiring writers who might be listening and are interested in writing their own novels or short stories? Well, certainly, I encourage aspiring writers to keep at it. Um, and also, I believe, you know, I got lucky. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> everybody believes they have merit, right? Everybody, like, we're, we're all, but I do believe I got very lucky. I, um, I think timing, of course, as everybody knows, timing is important. Um, initially, it was my book agent who suggested I turn my memoir to fiction. And I immediately retrenched by thinking, like, hey, I'm not sure I could you know, do dialogue, character development, build tension. And also, it's such a competitive market, right? I mean, it's uh -huh. like the most competitive market, practically. And, um, and so what he did is he, he introduced me to another of his clients. His name is Brett Witter. And Brett is an amazing and versatile author with eight New York Times bestsellers. And to make a long story short, Brett got very interested in this work, too, and we made a very good team, and Brett's my co-author. Okay. Um, and so for me, we want to launch a series that will be my series. In the first two books, maybe the, if there's a third or fourth book, he might be sort of, you know, left seat, right seat with me. And I'm sort of apprenticing under him. Uh, and I'm, you know, the first book, I'd say we did, we did a lot of what well, we, we both do a lot of writing. We pass the draft back and forth uh, after a lot of collaboration. There's no, there's no ghost writing. There's no major writer, minor writer. Um, but I would recommend that I think for me, had I taken like a writing course, had I done something like that, it would have probably, um, have destroyed my self-esteem to write <laughs> and I probably would never write anything. Uh, and, and Brett was a great and gentle mentor. Um, and, uh, you know, I, neither one of us could have written this book on our own, I don't think. Sure. Um, so I think the idea is, uh, I mean, what, what the, the, the plan is, is that I would now be a solo writer for future books. Right. So, so you, you mentioned um, the sequel to Shadow War. Have you started thinking about the third book at this point? I have only a little bit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, you know, Shadow, 
the second book, whose whose title is you know to be determined, right, um, is you know takes place almost immediately where Shadow War leads off, and the next book after that would take place also, you know, book three would take place after book two, and one of the 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 hallmarks of the series is that they're all based on actual events. Um, not only is it just my own personal experience I'm writing about, but actually events in the real world. Um, and we try to weave in uh, things that are actually going on out there. And so the, the, the next, you know, the third book, you know, it's still kind of over the horizon, but Locke is a, you know, the, the main character Locke's in a very different place than where characters meet him at the beginning of Shadow War. So that's without, I, I can't really give too much away, but yeah, sure. some ideas are being tossed around, but uh, not, 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 no, no pen to paper yet. Right. So, so we talked about uh, real world conflicts earlier and, and obviously the, 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 um, the subject of Shadow War. I'm just curious, uh, given your, your knowledge uh, and and kind of global politics and military conflict. Do you do you foresee a, a situation in terms of Putin being backed into a corner and, and launching a, an all-out war? I do. I mean, so Shadow War, just sort of some background, um, Locke starts, you know, he's like this company, he's a, he works with large, uh, this large private military company. Think of like Blackwater meets Goldman Sachs. Right. right? And he gets sucked in. He's like their man in Africa, which is pretty autobiographical for me and the company I work for. And he gets sucked into Ukraine to fight in eastern Ukraine, um, you know, against sort of Putin's forces that are there, there covertly. It's like a covert war, the shadow war. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I think that really the villain of this book is not, it's, this is really not about Ukraine versus Russia. I mean, a lot of the book takes place in Washington, D.C., Houston, New York, London, other places, too. It's not just, you know, the, you know a couple hundred pages on, of Ukraine. Um, but I, I do see a situation where, you know, Putin has a czarist vision for Europe. He wants to extend Russia's sphere of influence to the Atlantic. And for that to happen, he needs to have NATO, he needs to have NATO be a non-entity. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, if Trump gets elected president, Trump has already indicated he would like the U.S. to pull out of NATO, which may be one reason why Putin is voting for Trump, you know, not voting in the election, but, right. you know, saying how great Trump is. Um, and I can see a situation, you know, in, in the last couple not last couple years, we've seen an increase of belligerence on the Russian military, especially in the Baltic Ocean, in the mm-hmm. Baltic Sea. Um, and I can see a situation where he uses a tactical nuke device to, to quote, de-escalate, unquote, um, uh, tensions there. Um, and Putin is a master strategist, and also he's a man who um, I think has credibility enough that he can actually do something like that. He might actually do it. Um, so I think that there is a real risk of a future land war in, in Eastern Europe uh, not like World War Three from Red Storm Rising or something like that, right. but I think a limited war, uh, li- limited aggression, um, and I don't, I don't see what would, you know, unless there's like a palace coup in the Kremlin, uh, it's hard to see Putin not being a part of Russia five years from now or more. Right. 
So if people are interested in learning more about you and your books based on this conversation, where can they find you online? So my website is seanmcfate.com. It's S-E-A-N-M-C-F-A-T-E. I do answer my emails uh, on Twitter, Sean McFate. And of course, you can um, buy Shadow War uh, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Sean McFate, author of Shadow War. The book is in bookstores now, so go grab a copy. And Sean, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.